The Leslie Marshall Show, the only true democracy in talk radio, of, for, and by you, the people. Live nationwide and streaming live at LeslieMarshallShow.com. Hey there, how you doing? Go to take a swig of water. I'm Leslie Marshall. Happy Friday. Thank God it's Friday, huh? Mm-hmm. Although with two teenagers who have a busier social life than I do, I don't have much of a weekend. <laughs> Uh, between their parties and volleyball games and football games and sleepovers and uh, all the other stuff that they do. Volleyball practice and tournaments, ballet practice, uh, the list goes on. But I did those things as a kid and my mother drove me. I am really an Uber driver. I'm not a mother anymore. I'm really an Uber driver. So I know you Uber drivers feel except I don't get paid. <laughs> anyway, happy Friday. Welcome or welcome back. Only true democracy in talk. Uh, we're going to kick it off in just a moment. We have a guest joining us in the second half. But first, let's check what is ripped from those headlines. Today, President Biden is going to sign an executive order directing administration officials to consider further actions to lower prescription drug costs. That was announced out of the White House. And here's why it matters. Less than a month before the midterms, the president is focusing on health care costs to help position Democratic candidates. Let's remember what Republicans want to do. They want to screw old people because they don't want to cap prescription drug prices. Democrats do. So if you're a senior or approaching the senior years, please keep in mind, Blue's trying to help you with Social Security and Medicare. Republicans want to take, once again, a hatchet to those programs. And let's not forget that Democrats want to cap what you're paying for prescription drug prices. Republicans do not. Interesting, because the majority of our seniors live in red states, Arizona and Florida, although more of our population is senior because of that big baby boom. But let's look at the big picture on this. The president's order would complement the Inflation Reduction Act and specifically the provision allowing the federal government to negotiate some prescription drug prices. Hello, which will help everybody out there on medication. And the older we get, the more meds our body needs. However, the polls show that while the public is familiar with the law, they're unaware of its key health provisions, which is why you tune into people like me so we can tell you. Anyway, still many of the law's goals have strong public support, including limiting out-of-pocket prescription drug costs for people on Medicare, our seniors, the golden years, and capping monthly. Uh, I don't know how golden they are. <laughs> the older I get, the more my body hurts and the more tired I am all the time. I don't know. Help me out here, people who are older than me. Anyway, uh, out-of-pocket prescription drug costs for people on Medicare and capping monthly out-of-pocket insulin cost for Medicare recipients. Now, here's the state of play on this. The executive order directs the Department of Health and Human Services to explore additional actions so it can take those actions to lower the prescription drug cost. So the HHS is going to have 90 days to submit a report on how it's going to use the new models of healthcare payment and delivery to lower those drug costs. It's not just here, you know, here, come up with a plan, not just here, here's some cash. It's basically, you have 90 days to come back to us with a solution to this problem. And also to promote access to innovative drug therapies for beneficiaries that are enrolled in both Medicare and Medicaid programs. I think it's a good one. Win-win. Let's rip another. Speaking of ripping, a former top aide to Vice President Mike Pence returned before a grand jury yesterday to testify in a criminal probe of efforts to overturn the 2020 election. And that was after federal courts overruled President Donald Trump's objections to the testimony. Hey, by the way, sidebar, 
Did you guys see the video of our House Speaker who really was acting as President of the United States on January 6th? She was working to ensure that the Constitution was followed, the process was followed, our votes were honored, the new president would be president. Also, to get people in the building safe, including the vice president of the United States. Uh, a lot of people, do, I mean, you want to talk about a calm in the storm? You know, please do not question her mental ability or how old she is. Please watch the, the video. And who do you want leading you <laughs> out of the desert in Egypt? You know, I'm sorry. Uh, she 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 was being somebody who's not always calm in a storm myself. She was a calm in a storm. I, I was great. I've been impressed by a lot of things she's done. Um, and I don't want to say, you know, she was a badass because she she literally was operating the way a commander in chief should and the way the former, former commander in chief Donald Trump should have. Now, in a sealed decision that could clear the way for other Trump White House officials to answer questions before a grand jury. Chief U.S. District Judge Beryl Howell ruled that former Pence Chief of Staff Mark Short probably possessed information important to the Justice Department's criminal investigation of the January 6, 2021 attack on the Capitol that was not available from other sources. Now, the former President Donald Trump appealed with the U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals for the District of Columbia Circuit refused to postpone Short's appearance while the litigation continues. Uh, that signals attempts by Trump to invoke executive privilege to preserve that confidentiality of presidential decision making, not likely to prevail. Let's rip another. FBI may have felt sympathetic to the January 6th Capitol rioters. That's what someone warned in an email to a top FBI official a week after the attack. Now, the email is a sign that there could be FBI agents who may not have been motivated to bring cases against the Capitol rioters. That's according to NBC News. The Department of Justice has arrested hundreds of people, as you know, in connection to the riots throughout almost every state in the nation. And this is what they're saying, quote, there is at best a sizable percentage of the employee population that felt sympathetic to the group that stormed the Capitol, speaking about further distrust of the FBI. And I'm sorry, you can't have people that aren't going to protect this nation and our Constitution, regardless of your party, your politics, and the person in power, and whether you like them or not. And they believed that it was no different for the Black Lives Matter protest of 2020. This is what the person wrote in an email to Paul Abate, who is now the FBI, I hope I'm saying that right, Abate or Abate, who is now the FBI's deputy director. And um, in the emailer wrote further, quote, several also lamented that the only reason this violent activity is getting more attention is because of political correctness. So let's zoom in on this. The emailer told Abate that they spoke to a blue state office and had to explain the differences between opportunists burning and looting during the Black Lives Matter protest and the insurgent mob whose purpose was to prevent the execution of democratic processes at the behest of a sitting president. The emailer wrote that they recovered the information from first and secondhand conversations with FBI employees. So you have it in writing and you have testimony from conversation with FBI employees. The email was recently released through a Freedom of Information Act request. It was labeled an external email that suggests the emailer was no longer an active FBI agent, thank God. The emailer described their first unit indicating that they have a history within the FBI. 
And of note, the FBI Agents Association, the FBIAA, an organization that supports active and former FBI agents, quote, does not comment on ongoing investigations. That's what Brian O'Hare, the group's president, said. He said, quote, I will say that FBI agents understand the importance of separating their own personal views and their professional work. That was in a statement to Axios. The FBI, well, they've declined to comment. So the bigger picture is the FBI at large sees the January 6th riots as an example of domestic terrorism. That's what Director Christopher Wray said in May 2021, and that was before the Senate Judiciary Committee and his testimony there. He said the rioters were on the same level with ISIS and homegrown violent extremists. By the way, they have found arsenal, arsenals of weapons either there or planning to bring there. So for people out there that say there were no weapons, that's a lie. And two, for people like Ron Johnson and others who either need to smoke way more weed or smoked way too much, um, this was not tourism. It was terrorism. Let's rip another. Oh, how much time do we have? Should we take our break? And, And then... Oh, we have like less than a minute left. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to continue more with what's ripped from the headlines. We have our great guests joining us coming up after. And I just want to give a shout out to everybody listening to us on radio, on stream, on podcast, and watching us right here on Twitter's Periscope, Facebook Live, LinkedIn Live, and YouTube Live. I'm Leslie Marshall. Marky Mark Romaldi is my great executive producer. We're going to take a break, and we will be back right after this. I hope you'll stay with us. We are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome, welcome back. Only True Democracy and Talk. This is our second segment and our second part of Ripped from the Heavens. An assembly of representatives drawn from 46 national parliaments across Europe voted overwhelmingly in favor yesterday for a resolution calling on European countries to, quote, declare the current Russian regime as a terrorist one. A total of 99 out of 100 members of the Parliamentary Assembly of the Council of Europe, that's PACE, voted in support of the resolution. The only one who abstained was a Turkish MP from the Republican People's Party. Uh, the uh, And uh, basically, this is what they said, quote, the continued use of long-range artillery by the Russian military to hit towns and cities across Ukraine has caused massive destruction and death. Within And the resolution goes on to say, quote, with these indiscriminate attacks, Russia aims to advance its terrorist policy to suppress the will of Ukrainians to resist and defend their country and provoke maximum harm to civilians, end quote. Now, the resolution called on Russia to completely and unconditionally withdraw its occupying forces. PACE is a parliamentary body of the Council of Europe. They're an international organization that's actually separate from the EU. And actually, they have broader membership. They include countries that aren't in the EU, like Turkey and Ukraine and the United Kingdom, as well as transcontinental countries such as Azerbaijan. They consist of national parliamentarians drawn from its member nations, which goes beyond the EU. Let's rip another. A teenage suspect who police allege was a shooter in an incident that left five people, including an off-duty police officer dead in Raleigh, North Carolina, is hospitalized and in critical condition, officials have said as of this morning. Here's the latest. They say a 15-year-old white male suspect was taken into custody and is in critical condition. That was Police Chief Estella Patterson. Uh, She said this at a press conference this morning. Now, police did not name the suspect to have identified four of the five victims right now. The five people who died in the shooting are Nicole Connors, 52, 
Susan Carnats, 49. Mary Marshall, no relation to me, 35. Raleigh Police Officer Gabrielle Torres, 29. And a 16-year-old white male not yet identified. An officer who was injured in the shooting has been treated and released from the hospital. One other person who was injured remains hospitalized, and they are in critical condition. Here are the details. Lieutenant Jason Borneo of the Raleigh Police Department said at a briefing late yesterday that a juvenile male suspect, whom he did not name, was taken into custody at 9.37 p.m. Eastern Time and that there was no further threat to the community. Borneo said an officer who responded to the shooting near a public greenway was taken to a local hospital along with another victim. The officer has since been released, but the other victim remained in critical condition. Driving the news here is that the Raleigh Police Department officers tweeted just before 6 p.m. that officers were responding to a shooting in the area of the Noose or Noose uh, River Greenway. That's a popular bike trail for Raleigh residents northeast of the downtown area. They urged residents to remain in their homes. Raleigh Mayor Marianne Baldwin said yesterday, last night at the briefing, that at least two people were transported to a local hospital, including the responding or one of the responding officers. The Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives in Charlotte confirmed it was among the multiple law enforcement agencies responding to that shooting. President Joe Biden said in a statement today that there have been far too many mass shootings across America, referencing both Buffalo and Uvalde and the attacks there earlier this year. Quote, he said, enough. We've grieved and prayed with too many families who have to bear the terrible burden of these mass shootings. Too many families have had spouses, parents and children taken from them forever. The president also praised first responders in a statement, adding that his administration and North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper will work with local authorities to investigate the shooting. And Cooper said the governor, quote, tonight terror has reached our doorstep. The nightmare of every community has come to Raleigh. All of us have many questions, but as we seek answers to those questions, let's all pray for these victims, their families, the communities that have been shocked by this and that we all depend on each other and help each other during this difficult period of time. The shooting in Raleigh was the deadliest in North Carolina this year, according to the Gun Violence Archive. There have been more than 500 mass shootings this year in which at least four gunshot victims have been killed or injured in the United States. That, again, is per Gun Violence Archive. They are a nonprofit organization. Let's rip another. A Texas sheriff has moved to certify that the 49 migrants that Florida Governor Ron DeSantis had flown to Martha's Vineyard were victims of a crime. Bexar County Sheriff Javier Salazar's actions will enable the mostly Venezuelan migrants to obtain a special visa that they otherwise would not have received. So in other words, thank you, Ron DeSantis. Because of Ron DeSantis, you don't have these people possibly be returned. <laughs> you have these people obtaining a special visa, okay? Uh, that enables them to remain in the United States. So in other words, they're here legally. That's according to the Texas Tribune. Based upon the claims of migrants being transported from Bexar County under false pretenses, we are investigating this case as possible unlawful restraint. That's what Salazar said. This is an elected Democrat has opened a criminal investigation into the migrant flights, he said it last night. And if you went on to say further, quote, we have submitted documentation through the federal system and ensure the migrants' availability as witnesses during the investigation. 
Uh, DeSantis last month joined with Texas Governor Greg Abbott in publicity stunts, using people as pawns and transporting migrants and asylum seekers to predominantly Democratic-run cities in protest of President Biden's immigration policies. Let let me make this clear. Can I make this clear? For three decades, drug cartels have been bringing drugs over our border. You can build a wall, they build a tunnel underneath. The only way we're going to stop masses of people coming to our border, and I don't care if Joe Biden, Donald Trump, Satan, Jesus Christ, or Santa Claus are in office, is to change the asylum policy. We screw ourselves with this. We tell them you you want to apply for asylum or refugee status, you have to come here. No, 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 no. Change the asylum laws so that they apply in their home country. One of the huge problems solved. One of them. Huge problems, okay? The migration solved. Democrats and Republicans alike kick the can down the road. It never gets done. It's not the president. And by the way, it wasn't Donald Trump either. It is Congress. So remember that. Because if you have not a large enough number of your party that can get this done in power, you're gonna we're gonna have this conversation till we die. Uh, just, uh, like I said, DeSantis joined uh, Texas Governor uh, Greg Abbott uh, while Abbott has arranged for migrants to be bused to cities like Washington, New York, and, and Chicago, DeSantis sent the migrants to two charter planes from Texas to Martha's Vineyard, which, by the way, is a tiny island. It wouldn't have the capability to take care of these individuals. And last time I checked, Florida's not a border state. Its southern border is the Atlantic Ocean. DeSantis maintains the flights to the Massachusetts island were part of a, voluntarily, uh, a voluntary program involving consent forms. By the way, many of these people's, people can't read English that were signing them. And they were lied to as to what would happen if they got on those flights. uh, There's a lot of legal challenges coming his way that he's facing. And in addition to the probe, Treasury Department, their Office of Inspector General, they've opened an investigation as well. I'm Leslie Marshall. That's what's ripped from the headlines coming up. Our great guest and more right after this. Don't go away. Hey there, I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome or welcome back. Only true democracy and talk. Apologies for the delay. We had a little uh, Friday gremlin glitch, but we're more than glad to have with us Melissa Jo Peltier. Melissa is an author and award-winning filmmaker, has won two Emmys for news and documentary, producing The Dog Whisperer with Cesar Milan. And uh, that was on the National Geographic Channel in primetime for seven seasons. And perhaps most famously, originally discovered Nia Vardolos and the script for My Big Fat Greek Wedding. Loved that uh, movie before selling it to Tom Hanks' production company. Now, her film, The Game is Up, helped President Biden win in 2020 by creating a permission structure for Republicans in swing states to reject Donald Trump by interviewing everyone from prominent conservatives like Joe Walsh, who I'm buddies with on Twitter, uh, to everyday Republicans who've had enough. Uh, We're going to discuss the film and how it is still relevant and now applies to the upcoming midterm elections. Please be sure to follow her on Twitter at Melissa J. Peltier, M-E-L-I-S-S-A-J-P-E-L-T-I-E-R. Her website, thegameisupmovie.com. Hey, Melissa, more than a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you. I can call you Melissa. I hope that's okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a total pleasure. Uh, You know what? I wanted to tell you a Cesar Milan story very quickly. I adopted my son from Pakistan, and it was kind of funny because to get citizenship, they have to be interviewed, the person that's applying for citizenship. Well, my son was four months old, obviously not going to be a good. So we were in line, and Cesar Milan was there for his interview for citizenship. 
Yeah, he, um, in, in fact, uh, something I, I really admire about him, he, you know, he married an American, but he didn't use that to get his green card. He actually went through the, because he was an illegal alien. I mean, he literally came across the river $100 in his pocket. Uh, and he, this is something people should know, you know, when you come over here and you are illegal, it's hard to get legal. <laughs> There's a lot of steps that you go through. And he fortunately had a TV show, <laughs> yeah. which but he still had to pay a huge fine for coming illegally, huge fine. And he had to pay lawyers and he had to go through the whole process, take the test, everything. And but he did it. He wanted to do the full out thing. He didn't want to just marry into it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I just uh, I, th I thought I'd let you know that. But let's talk about the game is off. I, I just love uh, what you're doing here. Um, disillusioned Trump voters tell you in the game is up their stories. Uh, this is an award winning uh, documentary. Um, some people would say it's a guide to persuadable voters and for people to see that there are others like them out there. Uh, first of all, was it difficult for people who were supportive of Trump and have changed their minds and become disillusioned to speak out? And the reason I say that is I know a lot of people in Washington, D.C., uh, many of which are elected officials that behind closed doors say very different things than they do when the cameras rolling and the lights are on about Donald Trump. So was it difficult to get these people to tell their stories or were they more so eager to do so? Well, well, it, it was actually difficult to find people who were willing to talk about it. There were a, a whole lot more people who had changed their mind between 2016 and 2020 than wanted to admit because most of them were in circles that were MAGA circles. And, you know, like being in a cult, it's very, very difficult to be the one to speak out. Even we know that there were people who were quietly, uh, we had a couple of people, you know, agree to do our show and then back out because of that. Uh, because they just said, you know, I just can't, I don't, I don't want my husband to know. <laughs> and so, yeah, I mean, the people that we interviewed were very eager and willing to talk about their transformation because they felt it would help and it would help other people and help other Americans to see the truth. Um, and that started with Joe Walsh. Um, you know, President Biden's uh, speech last month in, in Philly, uh, he was very bold and mm -hmm. uh, he he talked about radical, violent, insurrectionists who are part of, a, as you said, a, a cult-like uh, Make America Great Again MAGA uh, group of Republicans. Um, and then there are other Republicans. And, and there are, I think there are Republicans that are very much struggling with what their party was, the party of Reagan, to what their party is becoming. Um, they see fascism within uh, their ranks. Uh, they see how the GOP has changed and leaders in the GOP and how more and more elected Trump-backed uh, you know, candidates are out there. The polls show that the majority of people, even the majority of Republicans, don't think Trump should be president again, don't think he should be the Republican uh, nominee. Uh, they don't want to tolerate what they saw happen on January 6th and a lot of the other things that really lowered the bar of dignity, I think, and decorum in the office of the presidency when Donald Trump uh, was our commander in chief. When we look at twenty, uh, when we look at twenty twenty, and what happened in the presidential election, there are many of those Republicans that voted for Joe Biden. We're looking at a very, very tight uh, race for the Senate, control of the Senate. I am a Democrat. I don't think we're going to keep control of the House. But do you think that some of these people that are Republicans that are disillusioned with their own party because of the fascism, because of the MAGAs? Uh, because of the hold Trump has on some of their party, um, might 
hold the key to what happens in the midterm and where the balance of power becomes in the House and the Senate and how much uh, of a balance of power would be in, uh, like, for example, if Republicans take the House, how many seats do they have? You know, how how much of a majority? Exactly. I I do think that's a big difference. And, um, you know, I, I know a lot of people are coming out and endorsing like Adam Kinzinger coming out and endorsing a lot of uh, House Repub- uh, Democrats and a lot of uh, Se- Secretary of State Democrats. And um, I do think that they're going to have an influence. The question is how much. And the question is, are the people who will be affected by these horrible, you know, fascist changes that the Republican Party wants to make to America I'm afraid that some of them just don't get it yet. They don't get, they don't get how bad it is and how bad it can become. I think, you know, for women, obviously, there's a wake-up call with the Dobbs decision, but I think uh, even that, I don't think, has really sunk in. I would agree with you because I, I, I we have seen the numbers slowly tick up as to it, you know, abortion and you know the Dobbs decision being an issue. I mean, economy is still number one pretty much across the board, and and we've seen kind of a late response when you see like in the state of Ohio the number of women voters, um, right. in the state of Colorado this uh, among Latinos and among voters in, in general this becoming the number two. Uh, issue. The the list goes on. Uh, Your award-winning documentary, The Game is Up, Disillusioned Trump Voters Tell Their Stories. Melissa, first of all, why did you want to interview these people? Why did you want this to be the topic of your documentary? Well, I saw Joe Walsh in real time on Twitter change his mind, and it was fascinating to me to see the things that, that he would comment on. I mean, he was definitely for Trump, no question, but he would say, well, wait a minute, you know, why is he attacking the FBI? This, this kind of thing. He kept saying, wait a minute, I don't think he should be, you know, Harley Davidson, he shouldn't be putting them down. And he was saying all the logical things that you would hope people would get. And I just, it was so fascinating to me. I wanted to find out more about that process. And I knew that there had to be more like him out there. And I just wanted to know what was it, you know, what changed you? Because so many areas of Trump's presidency were really disastrous. Mm. They Very. talk about Biden now, but he's, he's, I mean, Trump was really behind the scenes doing a lot of bad stuff to America. We're going to talk about it. When we come back, we're going to hear the, the trailer uh, for this award-winning documentary, The Game is Up, Disillusioned Trump Voters Tell Their Stories. And we're also going to talk about why do these people who are passionately supportive of Donald Trump, uh, why did they stop? What do they have in common? Uh, what, have, what, what did uh, Melissa learn uh, from this documentary? And what can we learn from it? I'm Leslie Marshall, back with Melissa Jo Peltier from the award-winning documentary, The Game is Up, Disillusioned Trump Voters Tell Their Stories. Back with her, back with you, right after this. And we're back on Leslie Marshall. Welcome, welcome back. And welcome back our guest, Melissa Jill Peltier. We're talking about The Game is Up, Disillusioned Trump Voters Tell Their Stories. This is an award-winning documentary. Before we talk to Melissa some more uh, in this uh, second half of the hour in this program, let's check out the audio. This is the one-minute film trailer. Now, if you're on radio... You will hear the trailer. If you're live streaming us right now and uh, you're you're viewing us, uh, you will both see and hear 
uh, the trailer. So let's take a listen or a watch and a listen to The Game is Up, Disillusioned Trump Voters Tell Their Stories, award-winning documentary trailer written and directed by multi-Emmy winning filmmaker Melissa Jill Peltier and produced by Mary Carey Craven. Take a listen. When you're in the conservative media world like I was in, you are told to say every day that Donald Trump walks on water. I was told by my bosses to only say good things about Donald Trump. I told them to go f Most of our opinions about Donald Trump do not come from CNN or from MSNBC or from Fox. Most of our opinions about Donald Trump come from Donald Trump himself. People say, oh, I should get over it, I should move on, but it's like, how can you? I mean, they lied about liberals, lied about Democrats, lied about Trump. It's kind of hard to just move on. I know quite a few uh, people my age who are in the Republican Party who they're thinking about leaving the Republican Party. They're thinking about leaving this Trumpism, this phenomenon. I threw up the red flag, I threw up the white flag as a warning that this was bad agricultural policy and it was going to hurt us for a long time. Uh uh, thank you uh, for listening. Thank you for watching that. Melissa, um, I, I'm, I'm compelled. This, this is my thing. I mean, in your documentary, you have people all over the spectrum. You have evangelicals, you have a former Tea Party, uh, a GOP congressman, you have a military vet, you have a Midwest farmer, you have a teenager who was a political activist, a MAGA political activist. How did Trump lose them? Why did Trump lose them? Is there well, something they all have in common or is it for different reasons? I think what they all have in common was they were all able to use critical thinking and they were all able to, when they saw certain facts, they were able to open their mind to it because a lot of what happens in places like the MAGA cult is that they repeat the same things over and over, they repeat talking points, they don't allow anything in. In cults that's called um, thought stopping techniques and if you challenge somebody in a cult and they start chanting or they start twirling around or or sometimes you know singing or they may just have start calling you something calling you a name those things are ways for them not to allow new facts that conflict with what they're believing or have been told to believe and they block them out by doing that um and i think that all of these people had the ability to get past that because that is the number one thing and that's why i think you're going to find some people not ever coming out. But um, for all of these people, they all had a different reason for voting for Trump and they all had a different reason for leaving. Although Helsinki was mentioned by three people, but it wasn't the top reason. I mean, the top reason for Joe, uh, the top reason for um, Bacho was really the anti-Semitism and the white supremacy. Bacha Goldberg, she was a teenager and she's Jewish and she saw that Trump was not he, he was not uh, uh, condemning some of the racist and anti-Semitic stuff that was going on. And that was what first kind of raised her questions. With um, Chris Gibbs, the farmer, it was definitely his agricultural policy. He was, he was just stunned at how terrible it was. And, and, you know, farmers were basically paid hush money not to talk about it, but the, the whole agricultural landscape was was really decimated by Trump. And then also uh, uh, David Weissman, his story is really interesting. He was 
a troll. He was a MAGA troll who like literally was going to celebrities and people like you and, 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 you know, saying horrible things to you and trying to get you to block him. And one day he went after Sarah Silverman, who actually responded to him politely <laughs> and, and kind of answered his question in a polite way. And it sort of threw him and he wasn't around a lot of famous people. And he just thought, well, gosh, she's talking to me. So he asked her some questions and kind of invited a dialogue. And then some people on her, her feed started seeing him and he was ultimately over a year persuaded by a woman in London named Sarah O'Connell who just sent him reading material, you know, primary source reading material and didn't tell him, you know, to stop liking Trump, but things about Trump that he didn't know. And right. for him as a veteran, um, you know, five times dodging the draft really upset him. Wow. Um, so what, what do you think we can learn from these people? Because definitely we see the polls. There's a concern that we're losing our democracy. Um, there is a concern. There's a concern there'll be another January 6th. There's a concern that some of these red states will not accept the outcome of an election if Donald Trump is nominee and loses again, which is very possible when you look at you know look at some of these numbers, depending on what numbers you look at and what day it is, obviously, and where the numbers come from. Um, but you know what what can we learn from them? Um, because you know obviously there's more and more of them that can help to preserve our democracy, but it's a concern among voters. So, so what do you think we can learn from these people having spent time with them and interviewing them for this documentary? I think, you know, for me, I wanted to give people permission to change their minds and to look at how, I think, I mean, it's been said, I think it was Lyndon Johnson who said, you know, put somebody under somebody and they'll, you can pick their pocket. Uh, and for instance, you know, with racism, with white racists, if, as long as you keep putting down black people, then they will vote for you, no matter what you, what else you're doing to them, whether you're taking their social security and Medicare, which is what the Republicans plan to do. Mm -hmm. And that makes me very angry since I've been paying in since I was 14. <laughs> and um, I, I think the idea is that these people could open their minds. And I would just love for people to listen and just hear them out and see if they identify with any of the feelings they went through because they really break down all the feelings they had and uh, how upsetting it was. All of them gave something up, but uh, Greg Olier pointed out to me the other day, he said, you know, you don't have to even be like them. You don't have to sacrifice everything and come out. You can be a, a, a quiet quitter with Trump. You can be a quiet quitter with the Republican Party. You can just not vote for them. You know, nobody needs to know. If, if you're in that kind of circle and you really don't feel it's right and your gut tells you something is really wrong, just don't vote for them. You don't have to tell anyone. <laughs> I, want to, I, I want to share some quotes. Um, you mentioned uh, Joe Walsh, uh, former yeah. Republican congressman from Illinois. I, I like Joe very much. I've lost my career and my reputation, but I believe in America. I'm not giving up. You mentioned Bati Goldberg, that team activist who's Jewish out of Brooklyn, New York. A lot of people have debased themselves when it comes to their opinions in order to support Trump. 
They were Ron and Cindy Hawthorne from Michigan who were evangelicals. And, and this spoke to my heart because I walked away from Christianity because I felt people in, that were Christian were not Christ-like. So I loved when they said, Trump has changed the very heart, the very nature of being for a lot of Christians. The claws are out now. They are no longer Christ-like. And that is because of fear. And then you mentioned David Weissman in Florida, the veteran. And he said, quote, I believed in so many talking points from these conservative pundits. Now I feel betrayed because I trusted them. I really believed they had Americans' interest at heart. You obviously have an interest at heart. What is your goal with this documentary? What are you hoping will come about as a result of it? I would like people to watch it um, and review it <laughs> and also um, show it to, it's really, I think the people it will affect the most are your neighbors who've taken down all their signs They've taken down all the Trump signs. They put the hats in the closet. You know, they're not wearing the T-shirts anymore, but they still defend him. And they still feel like they have to be loyal to the Republican Party. The Republican Party betrayed them by putting this person in power and not checking him at all. I mean, that's something I know that that uh, uh, that Chris Gibbs, the farmer, was so upset about. He expected checks and balances and they wiped them out. They betrayed a lot of people and they betrayed they're still betraying people. I mean, if they take away your, your social security and Medicare, that's a huge betrayal. And I just want people who are open just to see that maybe it's time to just follow the facts. Change yeah, I, your vote. I agree with you there because we have like 30 seconds left. Where can people see the game is up disillusioned Trump voters tell their stories, this award-winning documentary. You can see it commercial free on Amazon. And if you go to Amazon, please leave us a nice review. <laughs> and uh, you can see it on Google Play, also commercial free. And with ads on AVOD, you can see it on Tubi. It's on Tubi now. And it's also on YouTube on the platform of our distributor, which is Indie Rights, I-N-D-I-E Rights. Uh, Melissa, thank you for uh, being with us. Um, our guest has been Melissa Jill Peltier. Please follow her on Twitter at Melissa J. Peltier, M-E-L-I-S-S-A-J. Peltier is P-E-L-T-I-E-R. Her website, thegameisupmovie.com. And like you heard her, Amazon and, you know, all these different places you can get it. Uh, check it out. And like she said, leave a good review. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm definitely excited that you've done this, and I certainly hope some, if not all of your goals with it, are reached. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you.